bring it. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Kyle. I'll pay you that $20 bill later for saying all those nice things. Let me see here. Let's line it up real nice. All right. Last time I tried the iPad preaching, and it felt pretty good, so I'm going to try it again. What do you think? Oh, man. And I'm going to use a stopwatch. (laughs) I'm going to pray real fast. God, I'm here to grow. I'm here to grow today. Oh, man, it's beginning already, and I haven't said any. Would you lift your hands up with me, just in a posture of receiving? God, we don't want to come into this place to play church. I'm here to learn more about the Almighty Savior. Name. So take my words, Lord. And help us to grow. Help us to grow in you today. And help me to keep this thing together. Okay. Amen. Amen. Holy cow. I'm, I'm overwhelmed because uh, of that guy right there. Woo. Zach and Kayla leading us in worship. It was so powerful. I feel like I don't have to say anything. Okay. Wow. If you're new with us, welcome. <laughs> Uh, just a bunch of creatives uh, crying, but thanks, Pastor Kyle. Uh, I am so honored to share the word. I will get it together here. Um, this is my wife, beautiful wife of six years, Linnea, and pregnant. Can you show off the belly a little bit? Just do a twirl. Just one twirl. Come on. Come on. A little twirl. So... Pregnant with our second daughter, uh, hopefully due within the next month, you would prefer sooner. We have a two-year-old daughter, Mira, uh, who's just absolutely insane, and we love her. And as Kyle said, um, if you're new with us, you are so welcome here. This is a safe place. Hopefully it's an okay place to have some fun, to laugh, to enjoy God's presence. And then, uh, likewise, if you've been here Uh, since day one. Uh, You're so welcome. And we say this phrase, you matter. We believe that every single one of you matter. You have a story. God has knit you in your mother's womb, and you matter to this community. You matter, and more importantly, to God who created you. And so I hope you feel that today. And today the goal is for you to take one step closer to Jesus. That's the goal. Wherever you're at in your journey, just to take one step closer to Jesus. So like Kyle said, we've been in this series called He is Worthy, and we are unpacking the core value uh, that we have here at Anchor Church that is prayer and worship. We value at our very core prayer and worship, and we, and we say it this way. We value prayer and worship. Why? Because He is worthy of it. And that's what we're unpacking for the majority of this year. He is worthy of your worship. And so when you make a core value, when it's something that determines your decisions, right? When you live by a value, it determines what you do with your resources, what you do with your time, what you do with your energy, 
and your relationships. And so today we're unpacking that. Uh, we got our sermons on podcasts now, if, if you're into podcasts. So go uh, back and listen to some of the practical teachings on worship. And so we're just, uh, we're just continuing that uh, sermon series today. And we've been having this launching pad of a, of a, a verse from, uh, found in Psalm 63, verse 3 says, because of your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So right here we see that worship is a response, a response to what? His steadfast love. So why do we worship? It's a response to his love, and that's what our lips start moving, right? It's like, God, wow, you are so good, and I respond to your love. And so we worship because of who he is and what he has done and, uh, and that steadfast love that he, he has given to us. And so today and this week, um, I've been pondering the idea, like uh, as we've studied through this sermon series, that we don't worship uh, to get anything re in return. Okay, when we give worship, you are ascribing beauty and glory and honor and you are worshiping God. It's not the other way around, right? Uh, so uh, as I've been pondering that, though, I, I w was pondering, like, do, do we receive anything back? It's not our intention or our goal, but do we receive anything back when we worship, when we are uh, engaged with Jesus himself? And I'm going to uh, kind of put out there today that I do believe we do receive something back. Hebrews says that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those. So what does he reward you with? Does he reward you with stuff? Do you pray like, God, could I get a new boat? And then he just gives it to you? Or is it way more relational than that? And so as I was uh, pondering that scripture that he rewards those who seek you, I want to submit to you today that he rewards those who seek him with his presence. The reward is his presence. And Psalm 16 says, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Today, I believe some of you are going to feel that joy inside of you by the end of this message. And so today, we're going to talk about being a people of God's presence. We are going to look at um, three powerhouse figures in scriptures that all prioritized the presence of of God above everything else. So we're going to look at these three figures. And I just, I just want to say that I, I want you to hear my heart today. I just want to have a conversation. I know I have the microphone here, but I want you to hear my heart about being a people that is so closely intimate with God and his presence. And so if you need a title for this message, if you're taking notes, uh, the title is His Presence is the Destination. His presence is the destination. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. Uh, so flip towards the front. You'll find it. And I'm going to give you a little history lesson. I'm going to go as fast as I can to, to smash a lot of uh, scriptures together to get us to Exodus 33. But a, a little backstory for you. Israel is... Uh, God's people. God chose Israel. God just said, you know what? You're going to be my people. And out of this people, ultimately from that lineage will come the Savior, 
and his name is Jesus Christ. Okay, so out of Israel comes Jesus. And so Israel was uh, under uh, Egyptian captivity. They were enslaved for 400 years, a very, very long time. And so God finally says, you know what? I'm going to take you out and you're going to be your own nation. So this is uh, where God just goes on like a spree of miracles, right? You may have heard of the Red Sea where uh, Israel comes up to the Red Sea. Egyptian army is closing in behind them and God opens the sea and they walk through on dry ground. Uh, the Red Sea closes on the Egyptian uh, uh, army and they are off uh, out going with the goal to go to the promised land, if you've heard of the promised land. And so, but they're out in the wilderness at this point. God's doing these spree of miracles. He's coming through for them. He's providing food. He's providing water. He's doing all these amazing miracles. And then we see that the Israelites are very, very human. They're very, very human. Uh, they are like uh, real good screw-ups. They are like professional grumblers and complainers. I know I have that problem. I'm sure none of you have ever had that same problem, but I relate a lot with the Israelites. Uh, I, I read in the Old Testament like, man, these guys are like real morons. And then I'll like do something like 10 minutes later, like, oh man, I'm just like them. Maybe they're a picture of who I am. Yeah. Anyway, so, so God's mercy though, he, he's full in the Old Testament, of mercy and grace. He just keeps loving on these people. He just keeps showing them grace and mercy. Keeps providing for them. And they keep turning their back on him. And then he keeps providing for them again. <clears throat> but sometimes God gets pretty ticked at the Israelites. This is one case where we find ourselves in Exodus 32, where God is not happy with the people. And so Moses... Uh, their leader is having a conversation up on a place called Mount Sinai. And he's re receiving new commandments of how to govern the people, right? They've just been enslaved for that long. Now they need to know how to be governed. What, what should we do? What shouldn't we do? And so Moses gets delayed up on the mountain. And then the people get really really antsy. And so what do they do? They actually melt down the jewelry that they have and they form it into a golden uh, calf idol. And they start worshiping this uh, idol. And so uh, here we see that Israel misplaces their worship. Their worship was supposed to be created for God, yet they make their own God to worship. And so here we see uh, 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 Israel also, this is crazy, that they are actually breaking the very first commandment that's on the stones that Moses is coming to read to them. You should have no other gods before me. So they're already breaking uh, this law before they've <laughs> received this from Moses. And so here we see idolatry. This, uh, if you're not f f familiar with that word, that means just m placing your worship on anything that isn't God himself. And so idolatry is introduced. So God is pretty ticked. He's rightfully so angry at these people because Israel is cheating on him. Ultimately, that's what idolatry is. Is he, they were cheating on him. So uh, check out Exodus 32 or 33 now, verse two. I'm going to summarize this. Is that uh, God says basically, okay, Israel, if you want to go to this promised land, I know we're out in the wilderness right now. If you want to go, you you can go. I'm actually going to send you into the promised land, and I will send an angel with you. You're going to prosper. You you will do great things, but my presence will not go with you. 
the very presence of God would not go with them. He says, I'm going to bless you. You'll succeed, but I'm not going to go with you. So Moses then prays this amazing prayer back to God, and he's a good leader because he prays for his people, and God relents in this moment. You've got to check this out. So we're going to pick it up. We're going to read uh, verse 12 of Exodus 33. You still with me? That was like a lot. That was a lot of history lesson. If I got anything wrong, you can talk to Tucker. Okay. Uh, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. So if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you. If you have your scriptures out, would you underline that I may know you and continue to find favor with you? Remember that this nation is your people, God. Like, he's like, hey, God, remember you were the one who chose us, and I know we're a bunch of knuckleheads, but, like, don't forget that we're, this nation is your people. And then God does this amazing thing. He hears Moses' prayer, and look what he says in verse 14. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. 180 turn, right? God is ticked in one moment. And Moses prays, and then he says, Okay, Moses, I hear your prayer. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Verse 15, Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else distinguishes me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Verse 17, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Wow. What a scripture. I'm going to do my best to unpack uh, this scripture. Um, now, uh, I'm sure you've heard in culture at this point uh, the term, the acronym FOMO, fear of missing out. Has anyone heard of this term? You have this fear of missing out. Now, my wife, I'm going to put her a little bit on blast. She's pregnant, so i got to be careful here. But uh, my wife uh, has FOMO. When we are hanging out with people, we generally like to, uh, like to go to bed pretty early with kids. But if we're hanging out and people are like going to start a game at like 10 o'clock and she's supposed to go uh, like to bed, it's like this weird thing like, no, I got to stay up and I got to beat Kyle at Pitt. Right? That was, that was a crazy night. So, uh, <laughs> and so she has this FOMO. And so here we see Moses having this uh, fear of missing out moment. He's like, I know we're supposed to go to the promised land. I know that that's the end goal is to be in the promised land with God's presence. But I have this fear of missing out. I've been in the presence of God. And he says, no, we can't go into the promised land without your presence. And so I actually made a little example of what FOMO feels like. Maybe you would, uh, would uh, feel what this is feeling like. Let's, tra let's check it out.
<laughs> oh, that's FOMO right there. It's my daughter, right? That was when she was a little bit younger, but she wanted to stay up for the party, but just couldn't keep her eyes open. And then she's like, no, I got to hang out with you. This has got to be like Moses is the original FOMO character, right? He's like, we cannot go into the promised land without your presence, God. Like, I can't do this because I know what your presence feels like. And so Moses has a decision to make, right? Either he goes into the promised land without God's presence, that was an option, or he stays in a wilderness, but with God's presence. Whoa. He has this decision to make, and I really believe that he didn't uh, wrestle with it too much because he had a core value that he had to be with the presence of God. And so we see right here very clearly that Moses valued God's presence more than the provisions that he could get from God, more than the gift, more than this promised land. He valued God's presence with them more than going on to what was promised. He's saying, we can't go into the promised land at the expense of your presence, God. We cannot miss this. He was willing to stay in the wilderness. That's not a comfortable place. If you've ever been out into the desert, we've been to Israel. It is like really barren over there where it's like, where are we going to get water? Where are we going to get food? Yet they're going to this place full of milk and honey. And this place is supposed to be the most amazing place. But what would make it the most amazing would be God's presence. And so we see that the people, the Israelites, they valued much more what they could get from God. They just wanted to get to the other side. And so we see it so clearly that his presence actually along the journey of your life is what matters most. And that's why I call this message his presence is the destination. His presence, I'm giving away the ending of the message right here. <laughs> his presence is what is most important in your everyday life. It's not where you're going to go, what you're going to do, what job you're going to get, how much money you're going to make. It No, it's his presence along the journey is what matters most. You know what God, uh, what the Bible calls God, a name for him? Emmanuel, God with us. That's not just for like Christmas time. That's like his name. Emmanuel, God with us. And he, guess what? He wants to walk with you on the journey called life. And so I wonder about my life. Do I, do I live this out? Do you live this out? Does Anchor Church, if this is a core value of us, being a people of God's presence, do we actually live this out? And so just a few questions to get your mind going here. Do we have a prioritization of God's pre presence that takes precedence over anything else? Do we have this understanding that his presence wants to go with us and we would actually value his presence over what we could get from him? Do we desire more of God in our everyday life? Do you desire that? These are all questions I'm asking to myself. Are we satisfied with potentially encountering him once a week on a Sunday 
or maybe once every other week, or maybe once every four weeks, however many times you come to church? Or do we understand that he wants to walk with us on a Monday, like when it's really hard to get up, right? So I see that in this text, God is heavily relational. He is heavily relational. He wants to commune with his people. He wants to walk with us, and he wants to talk with us. He wants to be with you. And he, we see this because he responds to Moses' prayer of faith. Well, how does he respond? We just read it. My presence will go with you, Moses. He says, I hear your prayer of faith. I hear you coming to me and wanting actual relationship with me. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. It's an amazing turnaround. Do you see God's grace here? Do you see how fast to a prayer that Moses prays? And I wonder if God is maybe just like that today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's so quick to come when you call on him. He's so quick to come. He wants relationship with his people. And we see this from day one with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, uh, they, they were created for worship. They were created for relationship with God. And they go and they sin and they try to hide themselves. They start filling themselves with shame. And then God's like, hey, where are you guys at? As if God didn't know where they were at. He like created them. He sees all things. He said, where are you at in your heart? Don't you know that I'm your loving father that created you and loves you and wants intimacy with you, but the sin is separating you from, uh, separating you from me and it's hurting you. It hurts you. Your sin in your life hurts you. And don't you know that I'm still here, I'm still loving, and I will provide the way out in the future, and his name is Jesus, and so we'll get to that in a moment. But here Israel is doing the exact same thing. They keep turning their back on God. They keep rebelling, and they were more infatuated with what they could get from God over actually understanding that their presence, his presence wanted to go with them. So they got into this mindset. I don't know if you've ha uh, had this. I definitely have it. Like the grass is greener on the other side, right? It's like, oh man, if I could only get there. By 35, I'm definitely going to be here. <laughs> Has anyone ever said that? They got into that mindset of like, if I could just get to the promised land, like milk and honey, that sounds great. I'll take some of that because we're out here like in the dry desert. And they get into that place of if I could just get into that place, I'll be happy. If I could just get over there, if I could just have what they have, I'll be happy. Has that ever worked for anybody in the history of a mankind? We're doing the same thing today. And so they would rather go without God's presence on the journey. So I have a question. What happens when it feels like God is delaying? Right? Moses is up on the mountain. They get antsy. They start making this golden idol. What happens when you're in that place where it feels like God is not coming through on his promise? We get impatient, don't we? And we often go back to our old habits. We often turn back to what we used to know. And this is exactly what Israel did. They went back on what they, what they, to what they knew, what was familiar, and they go back to idolatry. Do you know in Egypt, this was very normal for them to create these golden 
uh, idols. And so for 400 years, they were part of that culture and were just worshiping these idols. And God was saying, no, I'm much more personal than those dead idols. Here I am with you. I want to govern you. I want to be with you. And man, have I seen this time and time with so many people that I've known. And I'm not pointing the finger at them because I also seen it in me. Where people, they get caught up with, or maybe their circumstance doesn't fully line up with what they thought Christianity would be, or they thought that they would get these certain things from God. And so often, it breaks my heart to watch people walk away from their faith, walk away from community. It breaks my heart, because here we are, a bunch of people, just like the Israelites, that we are in need of a Savior. You don't have to be perfect. It was never about that. But it was about walking this journey and this faith, journey of faith. I've had this in my life. When I was 20 years old, I thought, okay, I'm going to hit these things by 25. Then I'm going to hit these things by 30. Guess what? Most of my five-year plans never, uh, never achieved them, right? But God has been talking to me. Wasn't I with you all along? Wasn't I with you in the pain and the hurt? And I got to tell you today, I got like one message. His presence wants to be with you. It wants, he wants to go with you. He wants to experience life with you. And this is what we call prayer. This is what we call talking to God. You don't have to have these formulated prayers. It's just relationship with God. And so, yeah, what do we do when Christianity doesn't look like what you assumed it would be? Just asking questions here today. I'm pondering all this. How about this, this one right here? Is his presence enough for you? It's very quiet here. Is his presence enough for you? Is knowing that God wants to be with you, is that enough? Or do you need more? Do, this, I could go off on this. I'm not going to. But I feel this so much every day of my life. With my calling, I feel like, okay, I'm going to, I got to do these things. I got to, you know, achieve these things. And like, I, I really want like to be like a, a lake house on Flathead Lake. If you have one, I would love to like hang out with you if you want. Uh, okay, we'll edit that out later. Okay. You know, you have these things, maybe you have these dreams and these goals. But if we were to get to those places without a realization of his presence in our everyday life, we are done for. And that's what Moses understood, that they are done for if they go into the promised land without God's presence. And so we have a choice, don't we? We either move on in faith, we either walk in faith, or we go back to our old selves. So often, we go back to slavery. We go back to the things that we once knew or we take a step of faith. And so this famous lady named Diet Powell gave me a one, good one-liner this week. Uh, she said, it doesn't take faith to look backwards. Says it for itself. It doesn't take faith to look backwards, but to move forward in faith. We are a people of faith here at Anchor Church. And we are going to stir you to take steps of faith and not to go backwards. And so this will be our story 
And this is the great jewel of life. I've heard it expressed before. The great jewel of life is relationship with him. It's not about getting more stuff. It's not about getting more, you know, like letters after your name or whatever it is. It's not about that. It's actually communing with God. Because guess what heaven's going to be like? Communing with God. Enjoying his presence. Being with him. And so all we're doing is getting ready for that. We are practicing what heaven is going to be like. And we got to know that his presence wants to go with us. Do you know that word presence my presence will go with you. That word in the Hebrew is my countenance. Another way of saying it's my countenance, my face. My face is towards you. I'm with you. I want to be intimately connected with you. My presence, my countenance wants to go with you. You want to know what the word go is? Another word for that is walk. My, my countenance, my smile, my love for you, it wants to walk with you. And you know the outcome of it is rest. My presence, my countenance will go, will walk with you, and I will give you rest. You know what rest is in the Hebrew? It's rest. Yeah, it means rest. <laughs> it's rest. Rest for your soul. It's not like, maybe it's like a good nap, but it's way deeper than that, is rest for your soul. Man, I think about this with Mira, my daughter who you've seen. She's, yeah, two years old. She comes, like, she's been doing this thing when I wake up or when I get home uh, from work lately. It's been like something I've dreamed about. It's like I fling the door open, and no matter what she's doing, she's like, Dad, Dad's home. Like, are you kidding me? And she just starts going nuts and runs up to me and gives me the biggest hug. And it just rattles me every single time because I'm like, what? You want to hang out with me? Okay, yeah, of course you do. And uh, like, I, th I think, man, where have I gotten it wrong with my father in heaven? Where have we got this idea that he is so distant, so far? I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but it's like I made him so far. Yeah, if my daughter, all she wants to do is just be in my presence. And when I start hanging out with her, I'm like, oh, this is the best. This is what life is all about. Being with my baby girl. It's, it's so good. And so, um, yeah, where have we gotten it wrong with our father? And so Psalm 145 verse, I uh, can't remember the verse, didn't write it down. Does, you can look it up later. He is near to those who call on him. Psalm 145. He's near to you. He's near to you when you call on him. So we have to have this desire for his presence being the destination. Okay, we've looked at Moses, right? I'm going way longer. This always happens, but I'll try to keep these next ones short. So we've looked at Moses, right? The value of God's presence. Look at David in Psalm 27, verse 4. Is that one up there? Let's read this one together. Let's go. Three, two, one. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Man, he lived this one thing. He says one thing is more important than any other thing is to dwell with God, to be with God. 
This is like it's so gold, you guys, and it's no different today that we can walk, we can be with God. And when he says the house of the Lord or the temple, he's not t- just talking about Sunday morning church. They would go to the temple even daily to go and uh, experience God's presence. And he had this longing for ultimately he gets to see God face to face. And here we see from David what success is, what success in life is is encountering the Lord every single day. It's encountering, success is measured by if God's presence is there. And so we can be this type of people of a one thing mindset. I love that Moses says, your presence is the distinguishing factor between us and anyone else. And it's no different today, you guys. If the presence of God isn't in his church, if we're not encountering his presence, we're no different than any other social club out there, right? But boy, you get a bunch of people who have been walking with God throughout the week, and then you slam us all into a room on a Sunday morning, we're going to like have an absolute party with the presence of God because we have people who are walking with God throughout the week. So I'm here to just sound the alarm for our church. What's it look like to just take one step closer to that idea of, God, this one thing matters more than anything else. And I hope they say about Anchor Church that they are really nice people, that they make some pretty uh, mean Folgers out there, hand me a cup of coffee, right? But if that is what people's review of us is, we are missing it. I pray for one day where people say, man, I got to go back to that place. Not, yeah, they're nice. But because I felt something that my soul longed for, that we would be a people of God's presence. But it doesn't happen for an hour, now an hour and 10 on a Sunday morning and then not communing with God throughout the week. This is not for the super spiritual, okay? It's not for just the pastors to talk to God throughout the week. It's for every day us communing with a relational God. Now, let's check out Jesus. Let's check out Jesus, the greatest man of all history. So many scriptures, you guys. I could have just like, we could have been here for like three hours. I had to like take so many out. I just picked a few, but Jesus modeled this the most. He modeled a practical way of living a life dedicated and devoted to the presence of God. He would walk with the Father. We see this all over Scripture. Check out John 5, 19. We're just going to hit a couple of these Scriptures to see that Jesus modeled this. He says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by Himself. He does only what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does. This is Jesus saying this about Himself. Like, whatever my Father is doing, that's what you're going to find me doing. What I, he was so in tune with the voice of God that he would actually, he would, he would go and heal one person and then like leave other people not healed. Have you ever read about that? Have you ever seen that? He, but he would heal one, one person. Like I, I would be like, oh, I, don't I have to heal everybody? Like he was so on mission and knew exactly what the Father was doing. You know why? Because he had intimacy with the Father. And so often we see that he went out to pray, right? He went into, uh, off to the hillside. He went to a secret place. And why? Because he 
wanted that intimate connection with the Father. Check out Matthew 6, verse 33. Jesus says it plainly here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things in life, they'll be added to you. But what's way more important? Seeking the presence of God, seeking him and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. John 15, here's the, oh man, this one, we could have camped here for like 12 days. John 15, verse 5, look at this. I am the vine, Jesus here, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What a promise. But then it gets real sketch right after that. Check this out. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. Pleasant Jesus here. Uh, Didn't sound so nice there for a second. He's saying, man... Do you understand that if you try to live a Christian walk without my presence, you can't do anything. You can go try. You can try to have fun. You can try to put these substances in your body. You can try to do these things. You can try out different relationships. If, if that's what you want to do, Israel, go, to, go for it. I'll still bless you. I'll still give you things. Or maybe it's more about being connected to the vine. That is where you'll bear much fruit. That is where you'll bear much fruit. Going on in chapter 15, verse 15, check this one out. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. You know that you're a friend of God. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a friend of God. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Again, that connection with the Father, he makes it known to us, and he asks us to walk in it. And then the last one here, John 17, verse 3. Study these out, you guys. These are amazing. And this is eternal life. You want to know what eternal life is? He says right here, that they may know you. And the and what's go said so the the only, uh, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you want to know what the word "know" is there in the Greek? Now uh, Kyle is like the professional preacher on this, so I'm only going to just touch it. You can talk to him later. The word in Greek is "gnosko." You want to know this is eternal life that they may know you. Know you is "gnosko." In Greek, there's two ways of knowing something. Oida and gnosko. Oida is something um, factual, something with information, right? So uh, we would say like Anchor Church meets in the City Life Community Center on Sunday mornings. That's a fact. That's knowing something with oida. Gnosko is more of an intimate term. It's more of what you would describe a marriage union together of intimacy with each other. And Jesus says, this is what eternal life is, that you would gnosko God, that you would be intimately connected with God. And this is the mo- what Moses understood. Remember I had you underline earlier, that God, I just want to know you. It's no different than Jesus' teaching, saying the goal and the jewel of life is to know him. So Jesus modeled this for us. I'm getting close here, guys. But one thing was missing. 
one thing was missing to put the full puzzle piece together, and it was called the cross. This is what God's plan was from, uh, from the history of man, before the foundations of the earth. This was God's plan to redeem all of humanity. So Jesus goes to the cross. He takes the sin of all mankind, and he puts it on himself, and he goes and he defeats sin and death. He goes to the grave. He is resurrected after three days, and the veil in the temple was torn. Tucker preached on that a while back, the veil being torn, and God's presence was no longer uh, confined to the temple. The veil in the temple is torn, and God's presence is now being able to be accessed. But it wasn't until Jesus went to the Father, sat down in all authority, and then he says, "Um, it's actually better that I go so I could send you the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Whoa. You know what the Holy Spirit's job is? To help you know God to help you know the Father, to help you realize that the Father's heart is so loving and so caring and to remind you of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so when I say his presence is the destination, this presence, in quotes, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you have put your faith in Jesus, we we see scripture very clearly teach in 1 Corinthians 12 that no one can say Jesus is Lord except through by the Holy Spirit. So at at that moment of salvation, you have the Holy Spirit come and live inside you and point you to Jesus and what the finished work on the cross. And then Paul even goes further to say, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So here we see David longing for the temple to just be in the temple. And and Moses saying, God, I just want to be with your presence. And now God says, my presence will be with you every single day. And his name is the Holy Spirit. Come on. That is something worth rejoicing about. You have direct access to God. You do. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have it. And his name is the Holy Spirit. So Moses, right, he, he was this mediator between God and the people. But we are under a new covenant. We are under a new covenant. And you have direct access to the living and only true God. God is no longer getting angry at you. His wrath does not remain on you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you have put your faith in him, You are hidden in him, Colossians 3 says, and he is pleased with you, and he knows you. That's amazing. Band, you can come on up. So my message is hopefully simple. I hope you hear my heart today. It's it's summed up is that his presence wants to go with you every single day and every single activity. My wife and I were just talking last night, and we've, um, we had this moment with our daughter before she was born. The, God gave us her name before we even knew it was a girl, Mira Lynn Powell. It was so clear, and I was just in prayer one day, and God gave it to you. Guess what? We have no clue what our next daughter is. <laughs> so, uh, so we were just talking last night. It's like, yeah, we, 
we just need to seek the Lord just like the first time because our daughter, her name just fits her. And so it can be something as simple as that of just saying, God, we could name her, you know, what I won't use any names just in case someone has that name in here. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to think of the old, old, like old school name, you know, but, um, but I'm like, do we think that he just comes through on these like big, massive things? Or like, what if he actually wants to be in the naming process of our second daughter? I would submit to you today that he wants to be way more intimately connected with you than what you have ever experienced him to be thus far. So I ask you today, will this core value of Moses and David and Jesus and Paul and this core value ultimately of Anchor Church, will it be one for you? Will the core value of understanding that he is so worthy that when I express my worship in return, I get his presence, I get his love, I get his joy, Man, we are in a culture war right now. Have you ever looked on the news lately? Have you ever seen what's going on? We are in a culture war. In fact, I'll go so boldly to say we're in a culture war within the church. And we have to be a people that is filled with the presence of God. We have to be a church that understands that the presence of God, His manifest presence, where He comes and pours out His presence, is what will change people. A good message, a good song will not change people. It's His presence. But we all have to walk in it, guys. It can't just be one, one guy, Pastor Kyle. It's all of us saying we have direct access to God. We need a lot more Christians like that. I had so many scriptures about walking in the Spirit. Go do a word study on walking in the Spirit. It's like all over the place. So close your eyes with me. Thanks for sticking with me. I want you to respond today. What does this look like for you? I've asked a lot of questions today, but I'm here, I, like I started crying today, is I want to grow, you guys. I don't want to play church. But man, if we realize that God wants to hang out with us, if we realize that he wants to be intimate with us, I'd, I just am asking you to respond today. I said the goal today is to get one closer step to Christ, whatever that looks like for you. So I'm just going to say that some of you, you need to make a resolve in your heart like Moses that you won't go on any further without recognizing his presence in the journey called life. Like David, he said, one thing I just want more than anything is God's presence. Some of that, some, some people here, that's resonating with you. That's where you want to respond. Some of you just need to take a step of faith and not go back to your idols, back to your old way of living, back to the sin, back to the addictions. Maybe you've prioritize what you can get from God rather than just walking through life with Him. And you need to know that He is calling you to remain in Him, to obey His words. Some of you, you just need to know He wants to be intimately connected with you. 
that's just ringing true in your heart. You're like, no, I've always thought God is like way up distant, like angry in the heavens, and we're down here trying to figure this out. No, 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 that is a lie from the pit of hell. He wants to be intimately connected with you. And some of you, you just need to come rest in his presence. The outcome of his presence is rest and your soul is weary and it will, his presence is where your soul will find its home. You just need to come and drink of his living water. Keep your eyes closed. You know the benefits of his presence? There's benefits of the presence of God. The benefits of the Holy Spirit, they're listed for us. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, self-control. Do you know what the world is lacking in right now? The list I just gave you. So if this is our inheritance in Jesus, this is what we have access to. And the ultimate outcome of God's presence, His countenance, His smile upon you. Do you know the ultimate thing that we get from God is rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I just want to read Jesus' words over you today. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Then Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble, humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give to you is light. Wow, that's our inheritance today. So I'm asking you to respond. There's two groups I really want to respond today. Some of you don't have a walking relationship with God today. And it's as simple as verbalizing from your heart that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again, took your sins, and nailed it to the cross to give you freedom for all of eternity that you would spend with Him in His presence. And that's what He did for you on the cross. Today you just need to respond and say, God, I want to start this walking journey with you. That's one group. And the other group is the things I listed above. Something's resonating in you that you want to be way more intimately connected, that you understand His presence is the actual destination of your life, not where you're going to be, what you're going to get from Him. You guys, His presence is the great jewel of life. We are just getting ready for what heaven's going to be like. And we start right now as they play this next song. Let the words just minister to you. In His presence, there's fullness of joy, and I believe we'll find that here today. And so let's just sing this last song. We've just got a couple minutes, and, uh, and uh, yeah, amen. <laughs>